Are you ready for retirement? Do you feel comfortable about your years of retirement? Many women don't feel ready or have some questions that need to be answered. Welcome to Women Seeking Blissful Retirement with Maria Lucasen. We've got some amazing guests and terrific ideas to make sure you are preparing and enjoying retirement. Now, here's your host, Maria Lucasen. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon or good evening, depending on where you are listening. Welcome to today's show of Women Seeking Blissful Retirement at the Empowerment Channel of Voice America. It's the largest radio platform in the world of talk radio shows. Welcome to all the listeners in the United States and Canada, but also those who are listening in Europe, Australia, China, wherever you are. And you are listening to this show live or later as a recording. I'm grateful that you are making time for you to find out more about the topic of retirement. It's my great pleasure to present this series of shows and bring subjects that will help you in planning and preparing for the next chapter in life. My name is Maria Lucas and I am excited. This is the talk show for unique women who dream to retire soon blissfully. If this is what you are dreaming about, you are at the right place. You can still be working a job, but if you are contemplating early retirement now because of the situation with COVID-19, you need to be listening here. In this show, we feature guest experts on many topics. And today I'm welcoming Keith Chipson. Hello. Good morning, Keith. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Maria. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Today is a show that I have uh, dedicated kind of to my mom who passed away four years ago at the age of 87 having dementia. And so talking today about Alzheimer's and dementia, I have a picture right in front of me so I can honor her for what she was in my life. So to start off the show, I want to give the audience first a short bio of what uh, you have been doing in the past and what you're doing right now. And then we dive right into some questions. Okay, on the show today is Mr. Keys Edward Gibson. He is currently the Regional Director of Program Services for the Alzheimer's Association in Southeast and Central North Florida. As the Director of Program Services, Mr. Gibson is responsible for overseeing all aspects of service delivery and quality programming in a volunteer-powered organization. Mr. Gibson also has professional experience as a certified Alzheimer's education trainer with the Department of Elder Affairs, University of South Florida, uh registered assistant living educator training. He's a certified first aid instructor with the National Safety Council, and he has done a lot of things for the state of Florida. So... 
Mr. Gibson, Keith, hello. I am so happy to have you on the call because this topic of Alzheimer, there are so many American people that have the disease. There are many people who are taking care of them as a caregiver. And uh, what I hear and read, um, because of the baby boom, boom, uh, there will be many more people affected by it in the future. So first, I, I noticed that you have been involved with elder affairs with the older generation already for quite some time. So uh, tell us a little bit how you came to want to work for the elder generation. Well, I've been, um, I, I can say I've been pretty blessed with a pretty well-rounded background. I, um, in my previous uh, career, my early career path, I worked with children. And then from that, you know, I had an opportunity to go work for the state um, in the aging adult services. And that led me to go to work for the Department of Elder Affairs as a program manager um, responsible for training the assisted living facility administrators. And that led me deeper into long-term care and other um, areas of discipline in that um, industry. Um, I have a specialty in Alzheimer's and dementia, which is, which is a passion to me because I have uh, a professional as well as a personal experience. I was a caregiver for my brother who died at age 54 from vascular dementia. Um, one of the things I always share with caregivers, care partners, and individuals with the disease, you have to be um, you have to be a good manager, and you're going to be managing two things. You're going to be managing your emotions, and then you have to manage the disease. You cannot manage the disease if you don't manage your emotions. A lot of times, um, caregivers focus so much on their loved one's disease versus focusing on the relationship. Yes, that is true. There is not a cure for this disease today, but I'm so excited from looking at all the research that is going on that there will be a way to prevent, slow, and even stop this, this disease. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. But being a caregiver, I, you know, I can speak very first, firsthand that, you know, you know, the, you want to focus on a relationship and the most important um, emotion and which I consider the best medicine is to love on the person that you are caring for, not focusing on the disease. Okay, yes, that is uh, probably the, the most important part of taking care of somebody who uh, unknowingly and they can't do anything about it. It happens to, it can happen to everybody. Nobody knows why some people have the disease and why other people don't get it. But if it is indeed uh, a close relative, then loving them, uh, and no matter what is happening or how bad it gets, that is a key part. But it's it's hard for caregivers to to take care and to have that front of mind when everything else is happening uh, around it. So um, that's how you got also involved in, in the Alzheimer, I guess, because of 
um, the uh, experience that you had with your with your brother and uh, like that um, you are now one of the spokespersons for the Alzheimer's Association here in in South Florida so I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that you are on on this call so before I go on with the next question today I wanted to do something special I would like to have the listeners Call in if they are listening and have a question with regard to Alzheimer, dementia, taking care of people who have the disease. And the first caller that comes live on the call, I'm giving away a book, a book that I have, and it's called What Have You Forbes Lately? It's a book that has a chapter in it that I wrote about my life, about a turning point in my life, and I'm gifting it to the first person that is calling in today. And the number that you need to dial is 1-888-346-9141. So if you have questions, please feel free to call. Keys. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about what is the difference between Alzheimer and dementia? Lots of people mix it, and I just wanted to help them out and tell and ask you to do, explain a little bit more about it. Yes, it would be my pleasure, Maria. Um, first of all, dementia is a syndrome or a collection of symptoms. It is what ah. the person experiences, not what causes the experience. Ah. Alzheimer's is a disease or the biological cause of dementia. Dementia means that a person's cognition has declined to the point that it interferes with their activities of daily living. For example, dressing oneself, feeding oneself, taking medications, handling finances, etc. Now, we normally think of cognition as memory, but it also includes thinking, judgment, planning, and orientation to time and place. Dementia, on the other hand, can also include behavior and psychological symptoms such as agitation, aggression, sleep disturbances, depression, and anxiety. Yes. But like most people who have dementia, it is because they have Alzheimer's disease in their brain. But just like we know, there are many different types of cancer, such as bone, skin, brain, and prostate cancer, et cetera, there are also many different types of dementia. So I want people to think of it in this way. If I told you that I have cancer, you know what that means, but you may wonder what type of cancer. So when someone says dementia, you also need to think about it like this. A person has cognitive issues that are interfering with their day-to-day activities. And then you should wonder what type or what kind of dementia. There are various types of dementia, such as vascular dementia, um, which is uh, vascular problems that interfere with the body's ability to get blood, oxygen, and other nutrients to the brain. That will compromise the brain's functioning that can lead to dementia. And there are other types of dementia, which include frontal temporal dementia, Lewy body disease, and Parkinson's disease. These are what, there, there are other less common types of dementia, but these are known as the big four. Okay, got it now. So, yes, I, uh, I'm, I'm 
slowly getting the difference between, because most people worry about getting Alzheimer and they don't think that there are other diseases or uh, that can affect your life later in, in life when, like you mentioned already, dementia can have another impact on your uh, uh, how you're thinking, on your memories, and s- as well as on your mood. I remember that from my mom. Yes, definitely, there's much more aggressivity in it, anger in it sometimes. What you didn't expect that would happen at, at somebody, say, who's 85 years old, you would think they are peaceful. But sometimes uh, a small thing could catch uh, or trigger it off. So, yes, what are some, uh, as when we talk now about specifically about Alzheimer's, I guess that some of the risk factors might also have an, uh, an impact on dementia in, in general. Um, so, what would be some of the risk factors that people need to know of so they are aware and can look out for it? Well, if there's, if you remember one thing from our conversation today, it should be this. Alzheimer's is not normal aging. Yes, age is the yes. primary risk factor, but it's also the primary risk factor for many types of cancer. And no one thinks of cancer as, as part of normal aging. Now, similarly, Alzheimer's is, is a very specific brain disease. And just like we have defeated many types of cancer, we can also defeat Alzheimer's. Almost everyone will experience something called normal age-related cognitive decline, which includes things yeah. such as um, harder to remember names and faces, occasionally forgetting where you parked when you leave the store, or occasionally forgetting why you entered a room. Now, all of these are normal and do not indicate that a person is on their way to Alzheimer's or other dementias. Now, there are some risk factors that you cannot control, and they include age, genes, family history, race, and ethnicity. Um, But there are also, on the other hand, some risk factors that can be controlled, and these are called modifiable risk factors. They include cardiovascular disease, education, social and cognitive engagement. Right. Yes. Um, That's so true. I mean, when it's in your genes, uh, then there's not that much that you really can do to uh, prevent it or to slow down. But there are areas of your life where you make conscious or unconscious choices in how you deal uh, what you do uh, when you are living your life in, in a distinct areas of your life so um it's it's like like you mentioned already um the disease itself you will will go so slowly that you don't realize it's happening and many people get worried right away when they think oh i got in a room and i forgot what i was going to to pick up there and and so that is is normal for uh, when you're aging really but, um, yeah, so where does it go over from normal into Alzheimer's? That is often the question that I think many uh, struggle with 
before, how do you decide uh, when it's al- when it's Alzheimer's uh, really? How do you find out? Okay, well, how do you find out if it's Alzheimer's? Well, basically, well, we want to rephrase that. How is Alzheimer's diagnosed? When ah, you start okay. noticing changes in someone you love or yourself, that is, that is time that you need to go see a neurologist. There is no single test that proves a person has Alzheimer's. Um, the workup is designed to evaluate the overall health and identify any conditions that could affect how well the mind is working. When other conditions are ruled out, then the doctor can determine if it is Alzheimer's or another dementia. Experts estimate that a skilled physician can diagnose Alzheimer's with more than 90% accuracy. Physicians also can also determine that a person has dementia, but it sometimes will be difficult to determine the exact cause. So when we're talking about diagnosing Alzheimer's, this is going to require careful medical evaluation. That's going to include basically working with three different doctors. One is going to be your primary care physician, a neurologist, and a psychologist. So the medical evaluation should include a thorough medical history, a mental status testing, physical and neurological exam, and and tests that would include excuse me, blood tests and brain imaging to rule out causes of dementia-like symptoms. Now, it's very, very important that you understand that the first step in following up on symptoms is finding a doctor with whom a person feels comfortable with. Right. And that's so important because a lot of times... They, these doctors are in a rush. They, you know, they, you make an appointment, they'll give you 45 minutes of their time, and you're out. But you want that doctor to really to take the time with you. And it, your doctor should be someone that you feel comfortable with talking about. Too often have I heard people say they go to their doctor and they share with their doctor that they're experiencing some memory issues. Well, the doctors will automatically say, well, you got dementia. Understand this. One doctor cannot make that determination. There are two types of diagnosis that you can receive, a probable diagnosis and a definitive diagnosis. A probable diagnosis involves the three doctors who will go through these examinations to eliminate other possibilities. The definitive diagnosis is through death and autopsy. So when someone says to you, oh, you have dementia, one doctor cannot make that determination. That doctor has a responsibility (coughs) to their patient if they suspect that there may be some cognitive issues to have their patient go through a complete workup and refer them to a neurologist as well as to a psychologist. Too often, doctors are afraid that they're going to lose their patients. I can share from my own personal experience with my brother. 
what triggered my brother's vascular dementia, he suffered two major medical events. He suffered a massive heart attack and a stroke. Well, quite naturally, the stroke left him paralyzed on his left side. So the very wow. first thing they wanted to do was to just simply put, put him into a skilled rehab center to get him to get, regain the use of his limbs on his left side. I, being an educated consumer, said to the doctor, I want a complete workup, I want a neurological exam, and I want a psychological exam, and I want all three of the physicians to work together. I got a lot of pushback because the doctors took offense to me telling them what to do. But me being a concerned relative, I knew something was different about my brother. I knew that there was something different. And by me being persistent and pushing the envelope, I was able to get that diagnosis of vascular dementia, which in terms helped me to get a better understanding of how that I'm going to provide the care based on that particular form of dementia. So when you go to your doctors, you need to be prepared to ask some questions like, what kind of symptoms have occurred? When they begin? How often they happen? If they've gotten worse? And they should be reviewing the medical history. Again, when you're going to these doctors, again, your, your neurologist will special. you want to go to a doctor that's a specialist. A neurologist will specialize in the disease of the brain and nervous system. The psychiatrist will specialize in the disorders that affect the mood or the way that the mind works. So it's very, very important that you plug into those. Now, <clears throat> once you get that, you can now pretty much get an idea. But I want to share with you some information that was published earlier this year by the Alzheimer's Association um, facts and figures report. Um, every okay. year around March and April, the Alzheimer's Association produces what we call facts and figures. Okay. And in this particular report this year, they identified that there is a shortage of specialists that we are facing, and we need to really quickly rectify that. Because if we don't have the proper specialist, we're not going to be able to get an accurate assessment for what's going on. And I can tell you the real reason why people are afraid to get a, a diagnosis or even to share some of the things that they're going on is that there's a fear of losing their independence. Yes. And one of the things I tell my caregivers and care partners is that you want to, your role is not just to be the caregiver, but to be the manager, to, to be the manager of the emotions. And a lot of times I share with caregivers and say, to be a good caregiver, you've got to be a good student of the disease. And that involves learning as much as you possibly can about the disease, um, getting plugged into all the resources, which I'll share a little bit later on that the Alzheimer's Association offers. But it's very, very important that you, you make sure you get the proper diagnosis. Yes. And, and I, uh, I, that was kind of what I, I was thinking. The group of 
people that is getting older, the older generation, it's uh, increasing drastically in the next 10, 15, 20 years with all the baby boomers uh, getting Mm -hmm. on age and getting also in the age group of, say, 80s and 90s. And that's um, where most of the people will show the signs of dementia or Alzheimer's specifically if, if, if it's going to happen. There are several stages of um, Alzheimer's, isn't it? Could you give us an idea of uh, how, what the differences are and um, how long they can take before you go from, say, getting um, a mild sign of uh, memory loss until you really are having a severe case of Alzheimer. That's a good. That's a good question, Maria. Um, there are actually four stages of the disease. There's what we call pre-Alzheimer's stage, early stage, middle stage, and late stage. Pre-Alzheimer's stage is known as the mild cognitive impairment. That's where there is a change in the brain, but it's not necessarily, you know, Alzheimer's, okay? Again, remember, Alzheimer's is a biological cause of dementia. So a person, through the course of time, their the way that one's brain processes information will change. So yeah. you have to, when, that, when those changes are occurring, you have to adjust. But think of this, your brain is a muscle. You must exercise that muscle properly, okay? So usually a person, if they, once they start seeing things are going wrong, and noticing that there's yeah. some changes with their cognition or the way they process information, they want to go get tested. But usually what happens, they kind of like minimize and overlook those changes. So that mild cognitive impairment continued to keep progressing until they get into the early stages of the disease. Now, in the early stages of disease, they're still high-functioning. They're still able to do all the different things that they used to do, but there are some challenges. When we look at some of the characteristics of the disease um, as it pertains to um, early, middle, and late, um, in the early stage, the, the timeline for how long that usually lasts um, is two to four years. And then in the middle stage, that usually lasts up to uh, two to ten years. And then the late stage usually lasts two to four years. So when we look at, when we look at those stages, again, some of the characteristics that I want to share with you um, are in the early stage, what you have is problems coming up with the right word or name, yeah. trouble remembering names when introduced to new people, having yeah. greater difficulty performing tasks in social and work settings, forgetting yeah. material that, that was just read, losing or misplacing a valuable object, 
or increasing trouble with planning or organizing. Okay. Yeah. So those are the, some of the characteristics or the difficulties that are affiliated with the early stage. In the middle yeah. stages of the disease, what you have here are forgetfulness of events or about one's own personal history, feeling moody or withdrawing, especially in social or mental challenging situations, being unable to recall their address or telephone number or the high right. school or college from which they graduated, confusion about where they are or what, what day it is, the need for help choosing proper clothing for the season or the occasion, trouble yeah. controlling their bladder or bowels in some. Mm-hmm. There will be changes in sleep patterns. <coughs> sleep yes. in the day and becoming restless at night. Increased yeah. risk of wandering and becoming lost. Personality and behavioral changes that would include like suspiciousness, delusions or compulsive mm-hmm. or repetitive right. behavior. Yeah. And then in the late stages, this is where they will require full-time, around-the-clock assistance with their daily activities of daily living and personal care. There's going to be a loss of awareness and recent experiences as well as other surroundings. There's going to be experiences. They're going to experience changes in physical abilities, including their ability to walk, sit, and eventually swallow. They're going to have increased difficulty communicating, and they will become vulnerable to infections, especially pneumonia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I see the big differences in the type Mm -hmm. of symptoms, really, that you can see when it's still mild, uh, where it's only occasionally or um, not affecting so much of your daily life. But yeah, once it gets into the mild station, then there is a lot of impact on how you uh, are living your life, not just for yourself, but also how you um, communicate and behave and, and deal with, with other people in your life. I, 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 that was great to hear um, the differences among the different stages here. So I want to make a break here. So um, mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, thank the listeners first for being on the show this morning. We are going for a break, like I mentioned already. So when we come back, we will talk a little bit more about Alzheimer, about research, and we will give you some tips, too, about what you can do to keep your brain and your body healthy for a long time to come. So please stay tuned. Uh, we're going and we will be right back after the break with uh, this, this uh, speaker about Alzheimer's disease. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life. Consciousness and Humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. 
You are experience experiencing itself. Life-changing events can have positive and or negative repercussions. When they happen, they can feel elating or devastating to those affected. It can also get in the way of your personal and professional life. On Life-Altering Events with host Frank Zakari, we examine the scope of these events and discuss how to move forward in the wake of the opportunities presented. It's never too late to get started or pick up the pieces and move forward. Listen Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you discovered your brain power? Just ask yourself, what's my number? And use the amazing power of emotional brain training, EBT. Enhance your vibrancy, happiness, relationships, productivity, sense of purpose, and health. Listen for Brain Power with Dr. Laurel Mellon. Experience the power of EBT every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your mind, body, and life will thank you. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Women Seeking Blissful Retirement. To reach Maria Lucasen, her guest, or the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send to Maria at marialucasenhq.com. Now, back to Women Seeking Blissful Retirement. Welcome back, ladies. I hope you enjoyed the first part of our show so far. And if you did, please make sure if you're listening to Apple iPod, uh, podcasts or to iHeartRadio, any of the podcasts, to leave us a five-star review so we will get more people uh, to listen to where we are talking about today. And I would love to have your comments or questions. You can email me. And for today, please feel free to call in. As I mentioned before, I have a book that I'm giving away to the first caller today that has a question on Alzheimer, on dementia, and how you can keep your brain and body healthy. So welcome back, Keys. And we were talking about how uh, the differences are in the different stages of the Alzheimer's disease. So um, I believe there is a lot of research going on right now. What can you tell us about um, the research in Alzheimer? Everybody is, like now with COVID-19, everybody is hoping to find a cure and a vaccine, but I don't think that that is anything that's happening soon for Alzheimer, but there are other things, I think, that are happening that are promising. So please uh, give us some more information on that. Oh, it would be my pleasure. And, and, you know, I'm so excited uh, to share with you um, because in July um, we convened our annual international conference where we have researchers that – attend from all over the world to share their, uh, their different, um, you know, research with, with, you know, the community at large. So um, it it was very exciting. So I just, there was a lot of information that was shared. So I want to just simply give you uh, some of, there are like five takeaways that, um, I want to share with you from that our international conference. Um, the first, yeah, the, the five takeaways are that there was research that suggested that common vaccines are, could be tied to lowering the risk for Alzheimer's and dementia. There was also uh, um, research presented about blood tests for Alzheimer's, um, early life risk factors. Um, it, um, how Alzheimer's affect Hispanic and Latino populations differently, and they discussed the new research study to focus on COVID-19 and the brain. So let me talk about um, the research that was shared about how common vaccines may be tied to lowering the risk. Now, it's on the tip of everyone's tongue, vaccines. So yes. the latest research out of our international conference um, suggests that flu and the pneumonia vaccines, especially multiple vaccinations over time, 
may be associated with lowering the risk of Alzheimer's dementia later in life. Um, one study found that at least one flu vaccination was associated with a 17% reduction in Alzheimer's incident with a more frequent flu vaccination associated with another 13% reduction. Wow. Another study found vaccination against pneumonia between the ages of 65 and 75 reduced Alzheimer's risk by up to 40%, depending on the individual's genes. And then there was a third study that found that people with, with dementia have a significantly higher risk of dying after viral and bacterial and other infections than those without dementia. So it's too early to tell if getting vaccinated for flu or pneumonia is on its, on its own impacts the risk of Alzheimer's. But it's possible that people who are getting vaccinated also take care of their health in other ways. And these things add up to a lower risk of Alzheimer's and other dementias. So the more that we understand about what reduces the risk of developing Alzheimer's, the closer we get to our ultimate goal of effective treatment, prevention, ultimately a cure. Yes, and that, that's so true, I think. Um, from this year's conference. So the, the second takeaway that I wanted to share with you real quickly was that there's a blood test for Alzheimer's on the horizon. Um, scientists are making great strides to developing better tests for detecting Alzheimer's. So this would include advances in blood tests. And here's why it's so, it's so significant. A simple and accessible test for blood biomarkers may allow for greater understanding of Alzheimer's in diverse populations, potentially identifying the right people for specific clinical trials. It would also allow us to better track the potential therapies being tested, which could help support new drug developments and more treatment options. Um, so these yeah. reports are very encouraging Although they need to be verified in larger, more diverse populations, researchers continue to zero in on tau proteins in the brain and the potential in Alzheimer's and dementia research overall. Um, another um, takeaway from the conference was the fact that, um, that the more we study Alzheimer's, the more evidence seems to be emerging that there are factors across the entire lifespan that may contribute to a person's risk for Alzheimer's and other dementia over time. Now, the new research out of the, our conference this year suggests that there are some risk factors that may be present and measurable early in life, as early as our teens and 20s. Wow. Um, in a study group, including more than 700 African Americans, researchers found that having diabetes, high, high blood pressure, and two or more heart Health, heart health risk factors in adolescence or young adulthood was associated with significantly worse life, uh, late life cognition. So this is incredibly important as African-Americans are typically have a higher risk of heart health risk factors compared to other racial and ethnic groups. Now, the research seems to suggest that efforts to promote behaviors that benefit heart health may be Maybe cognition should also include younger people who may be especially susceptible to the impact of poor vascular health on the brain. So, yeah. again, this is very exciting to know that they're looking at this. 
Another yes. uh, takeaway that I want to share uh, with you is that um, is that Alzheimer's affects Hispanic and Latino populations differently. Now, dementia is, is an under-recognized health crisis in Hispanic and Latin American communities in the United States. Hispanics are about one and a half times more likely to develop dementia than non-Hispanic whites. Um, oh. Researchers also have reported that the APOE4 gene, this is, the strong, this is the gene with the strongest impact on Alzheimer's risk for white European-descended populations, appears to have a significantly weaker effect in some Latin American, Latin American populations. So this seems to suggest that if a person has one or more or two copies of the APOE4 gene, it may not mean the same for Alzheimer's risk across racial and ethnic groups. Ah. So more research is needed to provide actionable um, ways to reduce risk for Alzheimer's and dementia, especially in Latin Americans who are disproportionately affected. Yeah. And then the, the last takeaway that... Um, I wanted to share with you that was um, um, revealed at our conference was the new research that's going to be focused, a new research study that's going to focus on COVID-19 in the brain. So it was announced at, at our conference that the Alzheimer's Association will be conducting a new research study to globally track and understand the long-term impact of the exposure to the uh, COVID-19 on the brain, that's including cognition, behavior, and functions. Now, it was also during the conference that a robust discussion was held that include experts from the Alzheimer's Association, the University of Kentucky College of Medicine, Rush University Medicine Center, Medical Center, and the University of Texas Health in San Antonio. Now, there were scientists from more than 30 countries that are looking at to participate in this study. And the World yeah. Health Organization will provide the technical assistance as we move this important collaboration forward. Um, we will align with existing studies such as, you know, the Farmingham Heart Study and clinical forms from around the world and to determine how the data is collected and measured. Now, although, although dementia most likely does not increase the risk of contracting COVID-19, dementia-related behaviors, difficulty following safety protocols, increased age and common health conditions that often accompany dementia, they may increase. So as right. the pandemic continues to create additional challenges for people living with Alzheimer's and all yes. dementias, their families and caregivers, especially in long-term care settings where some estimates indicate that more than 59,000 residents and workers have died from COVID-19. The Alzheimer's yeah. Association is urging state and federal policymakers to implement new policy solutions that will address the immediate and long-term issues impacting care facilities during this COVID-19 pandemic. So we will continue our momentum in moving research forward and looking forward to the potential results from this study that will be presented at next year's AAIC conference in 2020. Right. Okay. Now, yes, that's indeed exciting uh, news or uh, 
science that they are discovering or are looking at how things that we have already like the flu or pneumonia uh, vaccine might have an effect on how um, people will uh, be uh, living with or attracting the disease of dementia or Alzheimer. So, yeah, if the, the regular vaccine that is available would um, help, you know, and people who take those probably are more health conscious already in mm-hmm. how they live their life. And that is, uh, of course, all beneficial for um living a long life without having all the symptoms um, that that uh, that you have for uh, and that are making life miserable especially if it's getting into the mild uh, from the mild into uh, the the medium or in the severe stages and it's not just for the person itself who often don't recognize what is happening or might recognize and can't do anything about it. So we have about three or four minutes left at the moment. So I would like you to just in, in, in a short form, give our listeners some tips of what they can do in, um, say, in three or four areas of their life, how they can slow down, maybe... Um, if they have Alzheimer or delay it uh, in that respect. So can you give some tips on aging well? Well, with, well there, there are basically, and, and this is one of the st- studies that we're also excited about too, that um, we're doing research on is lifestyle interventions. And when yeah. we're talking about lifestyle interventions, this is using like four strategies for aging well. The four strategies are physical health and exercise, which is one, diet and nutrition, which is two, cognitive activity is three, and social um, engagement, which is, in, which is four. So when we talk about physical health and exercise, we're talking about exercising for 30 minutes a day to get up a sweat, to break a sweat. Okay, they're recommending that that as a way that we can prevent, you know, the onset of cognitive decline and eventually that would lead to Alzheimer's and dementia. So you want to definitely make sure that you make that investment in your, you know, exercise. Um, The second strategy is um, diet and nutrition. Um, we recommend the MIND diet, which consists of the Mediterranean diet, um, right. which you could use to um, look at things that would be definitely um, very helpful to you. So when we talk about the Mediterranean diet, we're talking about things that would, you know, um, that would be very helpful in terms of us eating. So that where we're talking about incorporating vegetables into your daily diet, eating green leafy vegetables, um, eating diet rich in fruits, um, eating uh, nuts, beans, and whole grains, eating lean meats, fish and poultry, um, 
staying yeah. away from processed foods, deep fried foods, and excess sugar and salt. Um, yeah. And then when we talk about cognitive activity, that's meaning things that will help stimulate your brain. Um, you want to do things that like, you know, um, building a piece of furniture, trying a new cooking technique, um, creating social, some, creating something that's very artistic, reading books and articles that yeah. challenge and inspire you. Focus on topics that are interest that provide you with new learning or adding to what you already know and completing puzzles and playing games that are challenging. And then, you know, the last strategy is social engagement. You know, with our current climate of this pandemic that we're in, that's a challenge because of the social distancing and all that kind of stuff. But there are ways that you can definitely stay socially engaged by uh, participating in webinars and things of that nature, connecting with your loved ones through social media, uh, web, you know, using different platforms. So those are the strategies that I would definitely be recommending um, to utilize to help you to age well. Yes, and that sounds like uh, really living uh, a healthy life. And um, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned those four areas in, in your life because that's really what life is all about. So if I had, uh, thank you, first of all, Keith, for being on this call and talking about dementia, Alzheimer, the research that is going on as well about what people can do. Thank you for being on the call. I have a, a few minutes and I just want to mention to the listeners that, yes, think of something in each of the four areas that Keith just mentioned, physical, health and exercise, diet and nutrition, cognitive activity and social engagement. Think about one thing that you would love to do that you think is, is that you feel enjoy uh, when you do it and plan it for um, the next week or the next month and get other people involved in doing it with you together. So that uh, would help you to stay and get started with this, uh, with getting a better grip on your, your life. So my quote for today is, um, it's from Louise Brunel, who is a filmmaker. You have to begin to lose your memory, if only in bits and pieces, to realize that memory is what makes our life. Life without memory is no life at all. Our memory is our coherence, our reason, our feeling, even our action. Without it, we are nothing. So I thank all the listeners to be on the call today. I, and, uh, I love it that uh, you are taking care about your health, about feeling better in retirement, what you can do about it by listening to the show today. So next week, we will talk a different, with a different guest again. Her name is Susan Latremoye, and we will be bridging the gap between career women or business women into going into retiring. So I thank you all for being on the call, and I see and hear and talk to you again next week at 6 o'clock Pacific time. Take care. Bye for now. Thank you. 
thank you for joining us for this edition of Women Seeking Blissful Retirement. Your host, Maria Lucasen, will return with another show next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll help you enjoy better retirement.